You'll remember the conversation we had with retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. Are there people in senior levels of government who are either conflicted uh, or are owned or blackmailed and, and mean us ill on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party? Yeah, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated every sector of our society. And now it's a former because he didn't get to retire. Want to know why? He said no to the injections. So I'm supposed to call him former Lieutenant Colonel and Brigadier Commander Brad Miller joins us. He said no to the injections for a host of reasons. And we'll get into that. He'll get into that. He was relieved of his command. He's a West Point graduate. And you're about to hear a very smart man. Uh, I asked him, what's been the cost and what's the conversations he's having with friends? You got to wake up. You, you may think you're on the right side because you think that you're not necessarily personally involved in, uh, in perpetuating tyranny, but you may actually be because of who you're associated with. And so I'm real hard on my peers right now. I mean, I'm real hard on them. And I've said multiple times, and I will continue to say, my opinion, Brad Miller speaking here, DOD at the top is run by criminals, probably even traitors. It's enabled by commanders at every level and every service that are cowards. Now, I can't tell you exactly where the line at the top from criminals kind of converts into cowards because all these cowards down here aren't necessarily criminals. Yeah, we can't find $2 trillion in equipment. Don't know where it went. Uh, I also asked him about war fighting capability. Had great news there, honestly, about our frontline troops. It's I hear it all the time when I get to chat with these guys about uh, our frontline troops solid. But I also asked him about war fighting capability on a geopolitical level, and he went somewhere I didn't necessarily expect him to go. I think the way that most people look at our um – our geostrategic paradigm, which is, you know, nation A versus nation B, and each nation has their own interests. Um, I think things are actually far more complex than that. And the reason that they're far more complex is because we have people in our own system that are, you know, they're power players. I mean, they're, into, I mean, you know, Millie is our, our highest ranking uh, uniformed military officer because he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And when they are, undermining the president, who, of course, is the um, the commander in chief, you know, there's there, there's there's a real problem there. And I mean, this isn't and again, it goes back to what I was saying before. We're not talking about issues of of bad policy. We are talking about massive crimes that are being committed, some of which either approximate or are, you know, full blown treason. And they keep happening over and over and over again. And this can only happen uh, in a country, or at least in a government, because the government, you know, again, the government is not the country. Those are not exactly the same thing, right? But in a government that has real systemic problems that have been there for a long time. Brad Miller joins us. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America. Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. It's 
Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Thank you. Thank you to our new partners at Healthy Cell, healthycell.com slash Todd. You get 20% off your first orders there. Microgel, vitamins, sleep aids, concentration, focus aids, 165% more absorbable than the old tech. Healthycell.com slash Todd. What a privilege uh, to have a podcast where you get to talk with people you admire, people who take a stand uh, for liberty. And I get to do that today. A gentleman joins me. Uh, Brad Miller made the decision to not get injected, um, and it cost him. Uh, he's a West Point grad, had been a, uh, uh, in, in the Army, and uh, post-grad there, became a lieutenant colonel in the Army. And I want to talk through what uh, he gave up when he decided to stand. Uh, for this freedom. Uh, Brad, can I call you Lieutenant Colonel still? Can I do that? Uh, you can do whatever you want. I mean, technically, <laughs> I would be a former a former Lieutenant Colonel. And yeah. the reason that distinction is important is yeah. because, um, you know, I, I did not retire. Okay. So in that regard, I didn't I didn't retain the rank necessarily. Right. So yeah. I, I consider myself happily resigned, you know, yeah. a former Lieutenant Colonel. And I am with the, I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily happy to be in the situation that I'm in. Yeah. But with the way things have shaken out, I'm I'm at peace with it, you know. Good for you. Uh, let me just ask you, just to kind of level set. How long did you know you wanted to be in the military? Uh, that's a good question. So I probably, I probably was somewhat interested in it, um, you know, even from a very young age. And I would say, in high school, maybe midway through high school, I started thinking of it as a as a real consideration. And uh, I started becoming very interested in maybe attending one of the academies. So I ended up applying to uh, West Point, the Naval Academy, ended up at West Point, And I, I, I had never been there. I never visited West Point. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know anybody who had ever graduated from West Point. I had visited the Naval Academy once, maybe maybe twice about the time that I was applying. Never made it all the way up to, uh, to West Point. I was growing up in North Carolina. Um, so when I showed up on day one, I mean, I, I did not igna- exactly know what I was walking into, but, you know, here we are a couple of decades later. Yeah. And when you joined the military, how would you describe at that point the state of, I, I guess I'd go across three, three, maybe, maybe assessment centers, the state of cohesion, uh, unit cohesion, obviously, you know, not all units are the same. I'd imagine uh, it didn't sure. serve, so I don't know, but I'd imagine that to be the case. Um in terms of readiness, and then in terms of your belief in the um, the senior command structure. Okay, um, so uh, certainly there are a lot of things that have changed, um, and I think a lot of people would say that. I think there are some things that have not necessarily changed. So I would say that um, the 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 teamwork aspect in a lot of ways is still present when you look at an individual service member, whether he's a soldier, whether he's a Marine or whatever, but when he looks to his left and his right, I think largely at that kind of individual or, or small unit level, that teamwork is probably still there. Um, I, I do think that there are a lot of things that have, that have started to become eroded over time. I mean, I think there's certainly corruption at the high levels of the military. Mm. Some of that certainly trickles down. I mean, you know, everyone talks incessantly about the wokeness in the military. I mean, that's absolutely a real thing for sure. Um, some of that, though, 
some of that is manifest in certain areas of the military over others on your line with combat units. I think just the, uh, the nature of the unit just makes it a little bit more resistant to that. Now that, that doesn't mean that it's ultimately resistant, but it does make it more resistant. So I, I think some of those things manifest themselves more readily in certain parts of the military than others. But on the whole, over the last, you know, two decades or so, I, I mean, we've seen some real erosion in uh, in our institutions for sure. But if I had to, you know, just state it simply, it that that corruption comes from the top. I mean, we all know it does trickles down. Um, and at the same time, we've got some cultural issues in our society that make it harder to recruit. And sometimes you bring, you know, an 18 year old today is not the same as an 18 year old 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yep, that's true. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a variety of problems that we're, we're struggling against in the military, just like there are a variety of problems we're struggling against in society at large. Yeah. And in terms of being ready uh, to fight, I mean, I hear from guys, I just had uh, lunch with a, with a brother of yours who uh, did, I think, three tours of combat. And, and he says, hey, look, frontline guys, solid. Um, nobody's questioning that. Has the same assessment, I think, of leadership, if not more, a little bit cynical. What do you think about overall uh, war fighting capability? Because, um, you know, we've got the uh, belligerent actors we're used to, and I'm one of those guys, you know, I've got a friend of mine who's a China expert. He's a former special forces and has a security company, does a lot of business there. I'm one of those guys deeply concerned about uh, their desperation as their society begins to crumble and what they're willing to do. So how do you sure. how do you assess our war fighting capability or readiness? Yeah, so I think I think our tactical war fighting capability remains very high. Um, now, that's, that's not to say that it's that's not to say that it's necessarily trending into a higher direction. It may even be, be slipping a little bit, but it's always been very high, and I think it remains very high. Um, I worry more about our strategic warfighting capability, and I worry about that because um, I don't entirely trust our, our leadership, which means I don't necessarily trust um, that – that strategic decision-making is where it needs to be. I don't trust that it's not being bled out by either corruption or money or whatever. So that's kind of where I see the problem is I don't worry about, you know, platoon leaders, company commanders, battalion commanders. I worry more about generals and admirals and, um, and, and people who wear business suits that also make strategic level decisions. I'm, I'm really worried about, where they're at, if that, yeah. if that makes sense, you know, uh, there, there are plenty of problems at the tactical level. Don't get me wrong. Um, but those are the easiest to fix. And those are the, and those are the people who have always performed very well and that are the least likely to, um, be the, uh, the purveyors of, of massive levels of corruption. Yep. Yep. You know, you, you echo that. Um, I've heard that sentiment from a bunch of guys, um, but you say it very well. I love that you separate the strategic from the tactical. And I want to sure, get into yeah. in a second here, the decision you made to say no. Uh, and I want to remind people, you know, we get to have conversations like this with guys like this who serve our country and serve their country. And by the way, is still serving. Uh, in a different realm, standing for liberty. We do this because of uh, people like Bulwark Capital Management. My brother, Zach Abraham, there's the chief investment officer. Uh, You'll hear him say the same thing that Brad's saying about uh, senior levels of financial management and the Black Rocks and stuff like that. 
It's know yeah, your 100%. It's knowyourriskradio.com where you go learn about these guys. I'm giving you like this uh, heads up, get your get your portfolio checked. Uh, make sure it's going to make it to the chaos economy. Go to knowyourriskradio.com or just call Zach at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Reminder that uh, investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement or capital management and investment advisor representative, Check Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. And talking with Brad. Brad, I should have told you we're a sponsored cast. I forgot to do that. So I get to mention my brother, Zach. You dig Zach, by the way. I'm telling you right now, you guys would get along well. Uh, knowyourriskradio.com. Uh, I said that you're serving the country and you continue yeah. to do this. Uh, when you decided to not take the injections, I thought saw that as an act of service. Um, what? Oh, yeah. What was the was that it? Was it for you at active service that uh, you're still protecting people? Did you feel it that way? Sure. So I think 100 um, percent the way I describe it is I, I think what we're seeing here is a series of paradoxes. And so, you know, the way I explain this to a lot of people is like, hey, we're in a situation where reality is not necessarily what you think it is. And there are a lot of things that maybe on the surface don't make sense, but you got to look a little bit deeper. So for example, in a functioning society, the military and the country itself should not be oppositional towards one another. You know, um, the dirty little secret is at least right now, the situation that we're in, just by virtue of the fact that you're wearing the uniform does not necessarily mean that you're serving the country. We all want to believe that, but in reality, you're serving the government, which means you're only serving the country in as much as the government serves the country. So I felt like I was placed in a situation, paradoxical as it may seem, where I had to choose between the army and the country, I chose the country. And in my mind, if you're a true patriot, that's that's the only decision you could make. You can't, you can't put the military over the country because there's an order of precedence at play. You know, the country comes first. The military exists to protect the country, I mean, not, not really the other way around. And again, in a, in a fully functioning society, those two would not be at tension with one another. But right now they are. And so I, you know, I, I was painted into a corner. I made the decision that I made. I absolutely believe that I'm still serving. And in some ways, again, as paradoxical as it may seem to those who don't necessarily fully understand what's going on, I actually feel like I can do a lot more out of uniform than I could if I were still in uniform right now. Wow. I have never heard it presented that way, Brad. That is, it's, I'm a difficult guy to shock and that is exactly right. Wow. Uh, I talked to retired Lieutenant Colonel Jerry Boykin and, and, and Lieutenant Colonel Boykin says that our military is compromised. Well, not just military, uh, well into the white house compromised by the Chinese communist party. Um, I see that. I saw, to to the shame of many, I have a lot of friends who are cops, many cops. I saw cops uh, dropping people to the pavement um, because they didn't want to wear masks. Um, I've seen people in uh, military uniforms say that they would fire on civilians if they refused to get injected. Um, is that, I mean, to me, that's symptomatic stuff. So you, for the people who don't know what's going on, uh, tell them. Yeah. So this is the way I see it, you know, and, and I'm looking at the same evidence. I don't have special knowledge or whatever. I'm looking at the same evidence as everybody else. I do feel like I've done a lot more homework than, than other people. I think mean, that's part of the problem is people don't do any research. Um, but the way I see it is I see a tyranny of, of I see an architecture of tyranny that is being built around us. And I think it's been going on for a long time, but it is completely in your face right now. 
I mean, when we look at what's happened in the last two, two and a half, three years, it is in your face. They, they lie to you. I mean, whether it's about the shots or whether it's about whatever, and you know, people are still, still believing it. And so what I say to people, whether it's just your, your, your neighbor, you know, your, your friends, your family, your average American citizen, or whether it's to my peers that are still in uniform, you got to wake up. You, you may think you're on the right side because you think that you're not necessarily personally involved in, uh, in perpetuating tyranny, but you may actually be because of who you're associated with. And so I'm real hard on my peers right now. I mean, I'm real hard on them. And I've said multiple times, and I will continue to say, my opinion, Brad Miller speaking here, DOD at the top is run by criminals, probably even traitors. It's enabled by commanders at every level and every service that are cowards. Now, I can't tell you exactly where the line at the top from criminals kind of converts into cowards because all these cowards down here aren't necessarily criminals, but they're definitely cowards. And they are, they are working against many of the things that they have told themselves their entire career that they believe in. And that's, that is a real problem because we got to ask ourselves, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where our upper level generals and admirals, and I'm not saying all of them, but at the top, a lot of them, are completely co-opted. And I don't don't pretend to know exactly how that has taken place, but we know it's taken place because it's just, give me an alternative explanation given the evidence. I mean, I I don't know that you can, right? And then I got commanders at every level, including friends of mine, and it's, what are you doing? You've convinced yourself that, oh, well, you know, sometimes the army carries out bad policy. I mean, this isn't bad policy. This isn't incompetence. And I'll I'll say to to my peers, you know, 15 months ago when this uh, when this vaccine mandate went into place, if, if I'm looking at it charitably, I could probably say, OK, maybe 15 months ago you were you were ignorant of exactly what is going on. But now with everything that has come out, you can no longer claim ignorance. And, and, and if you are, it's because you're willfully ignorant. You know, there's a problem and you're afraid to look into it because you're afraid of what you might find. And you have allowed your superiors to tell you that this is legal and that it's okay because they say it is. And those are the kind of answers that I get from people. Well, it's legal. They said it's legal. Okay. (laughs) So you're taking the word of those who put the order into effect to say that it's legal. The ones who gave you the order are telling you that it's legal. And for you, that's enough. I mean, that's the situation that we're in right now. Man, that's so potent. Hold on to that thought for a second, Brad, because <clears throat> that goes to so much. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who asked me about um, <clears throat> Iceland. And I used to have a bunch of T-shirts that had the name of Icelandic CrossFit uh, athletes on them. So I actually really admired their work ethic and uh, some of their, now their work ethic. I don't know that any of them know the Lord, but I've met a couple of them and they're, you know, nice, approachable people. (laughs) They are not. If you see them in the gym, they are not human appearing. I mean, that's that's a rude thing to say. Uh, But I mean, just in terms of their musculature and such. And and someone asked me, like, hey, I don't see you wear those T-shirts anymore. And I said, yeah, it's because the country of Greenland, or pardon me, Iceland is eliminating Down syndrome people. And they're saying they cured Down syndrome. Well, no, no, they've just been aborting children who have it. And uh, Brad, to my point there, it's like, hey, we're just, we're taking orders over here. 
You know, we've decided that God didn't intend for the world to have uh, people with Down syndrome. And that it's not a test for the world on how we treat people like that. And, of course, that brings to mind Alan Soaps. And I haven't had a chance to share this with you, brother. But uh, I'm so blessed to work with a company called Alan's Artisan Soaps. And a young man there named Alan, who is inventive and creative and incredibly hardworking and joyful and a little mischievous. Sometimes rather be playing um, mine, Minecraft than, uh, than doing his job. But he does it every day. Oh, by the way, he can't form full sentences. And by the way, he's on his seventh or eighth surgery. This time it was uh, spinal surgery in pretty tricky stuff. And he's joyful and he works. And the soaps that he creates are unlike any other because they come from his mind and so many of them drawn from his memories. Now, he doesn't make the soap. That's, that's not at his skill level, but he packages them. He designs them. He helps conceive of the fragrances. And then they work with the family with three generations of soap-making expertise to make these small batch soaps in the United States of America, all natural ingredients, and incredibly mild on the skin. And for this audience, you get 10% off everything at allensoaps.com. There's not just soaps there. Um, there's soap racks, etc. Always high quality. Allensoaps.com slash Todd. And know this as well. At the Christmas time, I tell you, I can't think of a better gift to give people. Uh, I, a better gift to give people who value life and work. And at Christmas time, of course, the gift of life that would later give his life for us. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. And, of course, the people who took the Lord Jesus to the cross, they're just following orders. And they thought they were winning, right? But uh, we're talking with Brad Miller. And, yeah, Brad, nation of of people. That that goes to rule of men versus nation of laws. It goes to rule of, of what men want and rule of emotion versus nation of laws. And I want to just invite you to think about this, and I'm going to ask you to think about it this way. Um, there's evidence uh, across the spectrum. It's not just the shots. It's not just um, the, the mRNA killing people. I think it is, and I think the data is clear. Um, yep. and, you know, all-cause mortality is through the roof, and it's not COVID, and it's trending, and, and reproduction is down, and that's, that's tied to the injections time-wise. But let me ask you mm-hmm. a purely military question. Um, I look at the, the withdrawal from Ag- Afghanistan, and I ask you, as a former lieutenant colonel, did our military somewhere along the line forget how to do a massive extraction did we somehow forget that maybe two egress points are better than one and mm-hmm. and bringing everybody down to one single choke point that then we allowed the taliban to control um, because i look at that and say wait did we've paid these people off hundreds of times was this a big payoff giving them this equipment that they're going to use to kill americans so I, I, that's that's a decision to me that i invite someone else to give me another you know view of that but does that stink of corruption to you Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think our military forgot those things. So, no, I don't accept (laughs) like just a a bad decision or like incompetence or or a rush decision. I I don't accept any of those. I, I think there's more at hand. And so I think that when we look at what happened in Afghanistan and we look at what happened is happening with um, with covid and we look at what's happening with the wokeness and we look at what's happening with our. I mean, our, our, our banking and our money and yeah. our, I mean, it just yeah. everything yep. it's all related. It's, it's, it's prongs that are all part of a, of a comprehensive strategy to erode our institutions from within. It's not, 
people got, I think people need to take a more comprehensive look at, at what's going on and realize that all these things are, uh, are, are, are connected. The other thing is with a lot of people is I think a lot of people have a worldview that is inadequate. So there are a lot of individuals out there that are trying to make sense of what's going on and they, and they, they can't, you know, they're, they're, they're four shots in five shots in, yep. you know, they, they, they can't make sense of what's going on, you know, and it's, it's yet yeah, you can't make sense of what's going on because your your worldview is inadequate to allow you to comprehend why these things are happening. So you have to go through all these mental gymnastics to try to connect all these dots because you, you don't actually understand what's going on. You need to take a deeper, more comprehensive look. And I think that's happening a lot with um, with uh, just the, the general masses, the general you know voter out there or citizen out there that that doesn't quite understand why how can things be so bad how could they i they can't be lying about all of this they could never get away with that okay well right right but then th- this you, some some friends well i don't know if they're friends of yours but the they're several service members Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson uh they write a a series of books about uh team uh team units and special warfare the latest is called the shepherd series i just had jeff on um mm-hmm. and jeff you know reminds us that hey there that that all of us can serve right cuz i'm i'm hard sure. on myself cuz i didn't serve in the military and guys often say no y- you probably would have been a terrible soldier but you have a really good talk mouth so just you go do your talking let us do the fighting and, and jeff didn't say it quite that way but um he said look um some of us are called to face evil you know head up we're, we're, we are called to go in to the dark places and to face evil and to fight evil and what i'm seeing is a guy who did that in you saying hey evil exists and if you think that people wouldn't go about continuing to inject people with something that is killing them or is um, if it doesn't kill them, it lessens the population's ability to reproduce. Um, mm-hmm. When in fact, there are forces that have said out loud, there should only be 500 million people. They continue to say we need yeah. to reduce the population. They kill babies at an industrial scale and it's not just fetuses anymore. Now they want to be able to starve a child of water and warmth. At, at in, in Montana, there's no age defined anymore. You can just do it. That's Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To, to say that, that that this couldn't happen is to say that evil doesn't exist. And, you know, um, you've probably seen the cross of Christ behind me. Hey, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and that redemption, you've got to believe in the devil and, and, and the source of evil. So do you think do you think that you being called um, at to, to to face evil head up? Do you think it gives you a uh, more open mind to see um, what we both see is going on? Yeah. So first of all, I, I fully agree. I think the problem is spiritual. A lot of times we talk about, you know, political problems or geostrategic problems. And I, I talk a lot about those, but I will be the first one to admit that the core, most fundamental problem we have is uh, is spiritual. I think we have to define it first in those terms. Then we can look at political manifestations or geostrategic manifestations of those problems. And I, and I think you you hit on something that I think is crucial. Uh, sadly, there are a lot of people out there who are Christians, and many of them are great people. Don't don't, don't get me wrong, um, but I think there's still a discernment problem that is going on, and I think a large part of this discernment problem is people don't. If you ask them if they believe evil exists, they will say yes. But then if you get them to try and define how, where, or why they they, they see that evil. The responses are only kind of kind of lukewarm. They, they, they don't, in my mind, they don't actually believe that evil is nearly as pervasive or 
pernicious or comprehensive as, as I think it is. And as I think that we're, we're seeing that it is. So when we look at manifestations of this evil, where we have our own leaders and I'm, I'm using that term extremely loosely, right? Right. right. Um, Air quotes. We have these leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who are supposed to protect us and look out for our best interests. And they are doing the exact opposite. And again, I, I do not believe that it's out of incompetence. I believe it's, it's willful. I believe it's deliberate. Yep. Well, when this is happening, there's, I know that none of us want to believe that, but we've got to, we've got to execute some discernment and realize that, Hey, evil exists. It exists in places where we would think that it would not exist. And if we are true believers in Christ, and I'm not here to, to, I'm not going to poke fun at anybody or say to somebody that, Oh, you're not a true believer in Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. What I am going to say is for those who, who are true Christians, um, and, you know, now, now is the time to get engaged, you know? Yep. Yep. And, and, and to speak truth and also to understand um, the enemy doesn't come at people and plop down in front of, let's say I'm going to pick a name out of a hat, doesn't plop down in front of General Miley, General White Rage and say, hey, I need you to start working for the Chinese Communist Party up to and including calling the dictator of China to let or, or his team yeah. to let him know, hey, if the president of the United States, who I have sworn uh, to take orders from as the civilian commander in chief of this military. If he assesses the situation and decides to respond with military force, don't worry. I will bypass him. I, a general, will call you a country that has concentration camps where you're murdering Uyghurs. And I'll tell you we're coming. And that that in and of itself that he didn't face. I, I don't know, court-martial or something like that. Again, I don't know military justice. You know it a heck of a lot better than I do. And I want to pick up on that in a second. And we're with Brad Miller. I have uh, links uh, to some of uh, places where you can reach Brad. They're in the show notes. This one's going to land home, brother. In fact, when we get done with the interview, uh, I, I need you to give me a place I can send you some of this bone frog coffee, okay? I was, yeah, sure. I, I was showing you the hat. So, um, <laughs> yeah, see, here's the thing is we're going to start sending out little gifts to, to people like uh, Brad who come on with this. And I have this news. I didn't know this until this weekend, but Tim has – Tim Cruikshank's a 25-year Navy veteran, Navy SEAL mm-hmm. – um, he has new coffee, and it is now Bonefrog's well-established, bonefrog.us. But, dudes, check this out. We now have a, um, a decaf, Zen Frog decaf. Now, that's the one coffee I won't drink. My brother Tim knows this. If coffee without caffeine is – I don't get it. But get this also. It's full-bodied, and they use the Swiss water process where it's 100% chemical-free Zen Frog decaf blend. And I've had listeners say, I'm not like you. I don't need to get geeked. I got to have the decaf. It's there at bonefrog.us. You get 5% off lifetime subscriptions there. And this one, for everybody who served and understands what a door kicker role is, or those of us who've learned about it, then on the other end of the spectrum, he's now launching Door Kicker. Uh, it's a light roast, but it is so heavy on the caffeine. It's the most caffeinated blend they have. Bonefrog.us. Remember, every package is God, country, team. 10% of the proceeds go to the families of Navy SEALs who gave their life and other special warfare community people gave their life uh, in the service of this country. And it comes down to the quality of the, com- of, of the coffee. It's Bonefrog.us. By the way, the new roasts are not available until Wednesday. Bonefrog.us. And talking with Brad Miller. Black, what should have happened? When you had a, because I want to compare, I want to contrast and compare. General White Rage, um, that's a name he chose for himself, as I see it. Yeah. He he is he called the enemy. 
not the Chinese people, but the bosses of China and said, I will give you a heads up if there is an attack coming. If you ha- if you as lieutenant colonel in, in a battlefield position had called your adversary and said, hey, heads up, we're rolling some tanks in about 15 minutes. What would have happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 unthinkable. You know, I mean, it is it is truly unthinkable. And it, it goes to show that I think the way that most people look at our um, our geostrategic paradigm, which is, you know, nation A versus nation B and each nation has their own interests. Um, I think things are actually far more complex than that. And the reason that they're far more complex is because we have people in our own system that are, you know, they're power players. I mean, they're in, I mean, you know, Millie is our, our highest ranking uh, uniformed military officer because he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And when they are undermining the president, who, of course, is the, um, the commander in chief, you know, there's, there, there's, there's a real problem there. And I mean, this isn't and again, it goes back to what I was saying before. We're not talking about issues of, of bad policy. We are talking about massive crimes that are being committed, some of which either approximate or are, you know, full blown treason. And they keep happening over and over and over again. And this can only happen. Uh, in a country, or at least in a government, because the government, you know, again, the government is not the country. Those are not exactly the same thing, right? But in a government that has real systemic problems that have been there for a long time, because I believe that the problems that we're seeing right now are deeply rooted. They've been there for a long time. We're seeing them manifest themselves. And to be honest, it would take, you know, people ask me, would you go back into the military? You know, if they get rid of the mandate, and they want to reinstate people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to give a categorical yes or no, but I will say probably not, because you would have to do just a wholesale realignment of priorities to fix everything. Because first of all, you got to get rid of the people at the top and get, and by get rid of them, I don't mean fire them. I mean, they, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not the judge here, but I mean, they got to go to jail, you know, like you you can't just let this stand. And then the other thing you have to ask yourself is all these commanders, whether you're a general or an admiral, or whether you're, uh, you know, a, a colonel, lieutenant colonel, or you're a captain, uh, how did we get into a situation where all of our commanders virtually have decided to go along with this? I mean, wh- what have we? What's our education system in the military been doing? How have we? How have we had such a colossal failure? And so, yeah. you know, if you were to put me in charge of the military tomorrow, um, I'm not advocating for that role, but um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I would just have to say, okay. We just we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to do a, a wholesale restructuring, uh, starting at the top with a lot of people that got to go and probably need to face charges, like significant charges. And then we got to look at the rest of our military and say, yeah, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where all of our commanders that we have told ourselves for a long time? Hey, you know, Lieutenant Colonel so-and-so has been a great officer for 20 years. Well, then wh- if he's a great officer. Why is he going along with all this? And I don't want to be the person who says, you know, I don't believe that you can be defined by the worst thing you've ever done in your life. Just like I I hope nobody looks at me like that. So I'm not going to say that somebody who is in the wrong right now, which is significant, should not be overlooked. um, Yeah, I would join them with open arms tomorrow if they said, hey, I can't go along with this anymore. And in fact, I actually think that would be very devastating to the military. And when I say that, like in a good way, 
I think it would be very devastating to these criminals that are ruining our institutions from the inside if they had a colonel or a lieutenant colonel who's in a command position come out tomorrow and say, I went along with this for over a year. I was a true believer. I took all the shots. I really thought that this was about health. I thought they were telling us the truth. I thought I was doing the right thing for military readiness by ordering my troops to get it. I was wrong. This is all lies. I I can't go along with this anymore. I'm throwing my rank down on the table and I'm walking out. That would, I would really admire that person. I would say, man, you were really naive for a year, but you know, I I really appreciate that you're willing to to stand up right now and say, I went along with this. I'm not going to go along with it anymore. I think that would be truly devastating to those who are currently in power. And I would invite, I mean, I know it's really strong for, um, for me to invite other people to, to give up their careers, but I don't know that I'm talking out of school when I, when I say that, because I'm not here to toot my own horn, but you know, I resigned with 19 years, three months and 15 days, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, mean I, I don't get my retirement. I mean, I, you know, I walked away. And so again, I'm not here to toot my own horn, but I will say that when I look at my peer group, you know, I look to my left and my right, I don't necessarily see a whole lot of people who are standing next to me of my peers. Now I've met some tremendous people who have also walked away and who are also fighting. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But when I talk about my peers, other battalion commanders, in the army or people of equivalent command in the other services, very, 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 very few have been willing to, you know, actually stand up and, and keep their oath to the constitution unbroken. Beautifully said, man, I I tell you what, I hope you start writing uh, because you are such a dynamic speaker and so clear and you have the God's given you the gift of transmitting intelligence at the same time as passion, brother, that is a rare gift. And well, thank I, you. <laughs> I would also say this, that um, I just want to provide this comparison. You were just short of retirement that you'd earned, no doubt. And mm-hmm. this is what you face. And you're doing it as a man in full. And I just, I know God is just so proud of you for that. Um, and, and General White Rage, he'll retire multimillionaire. Man will sit on corporate boards. Uh, he'll uh, he'll join the same organizations you and I are both aware of that are made up of retired generals. They're lobbying yep. groups, and and they make a lot of money uh, shipping a lot of our gear overseas uh, to countries that may or may not mean as well, and for wars we may or may not need to fight uh, to protect oh, yeah. American American interests. Um, and I want to ask you: a, it's not a pop culture question. It can sound like one. Have you seen the movie? Um, uh, the oh gosh, I'm going to forget it now. It's about the seal uh, who who found out his uh, his uh, his uh, team had been injected with a um, terminal list. Have you seen uh, the terminal yeah. list? No, 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 I, I haven't. But uh, but I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of the general premise. Uh, but no, I have not. I have not personally seen it. Plenty of people have have uh, talked to me about it, though. Yeah. Okay. So part of the plot is his team is injected with stuff and it ends Mm -hmm. up giving him brain tumors. And it was, oh, but they had an emergency youth authorization that comes Mm -hmm. out in the film. Right. And Chris Pratt's character, who is, you know, one of the top seals in the world, begins exacting revenge um, and going after the people who killed his family because they went Mm -hmm. and they iced his family um, and and his team and his brothers. And he, of course, knows how to kill people and break things because that's what he did. And that's what our country taught him to do. 
I know this is a really touchy question, um, but I was just talking in a cast earlier this week about the First Amendment and our government is was was telling uh, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, to kill this or that speech. Um, mm-hmm. Our government interacted with um, with with companies that rigged a Georgia yeah. election and they admit it. They used the disinformation tactics they were supposed to fight to help rig a senatorial election and they bragged about it. Um, and they were spending our money to, in advance, tell us things we can't question about our election. We're not asked. We're not uh, allowed to ask these specific questions. Um, do you pray that the terminal list remain fiction? Yeah. I mean, I think, do you pray uh, that that, that, that I, you probably lost me there? Do you pray that yeah, the yeah. terminal list remains fiction? Do you pray, yeah. pray that that never comes true? <laughs> like that? Oh, dude, I know it's a tough question, and yeah. I've asked service members this before. Like, yeah. do you, is, do you pray that you never need to use your skills that way? So, okay. G- fantastic question. Uh, difficult question, but a fantastic yeah. one. So a couple of thoughts. Um, so there are, there, there's always a variety of reasons as to why certain works of fiction get written. Um, I know his name's not coming to mind, but I, I know that the terminal list is based on a novel by a real, former Navy SEAL. I can't remember his name, but I mean, I've seen like videos of him. I I have no idea what his motivations are for writing that book. I I have no idea, but there are um, many times there are motivations for why people have written fiction. And sometimes a work of fiction is to uh, describe things that cannot be stated, you know, as nonfiction, if, if you, if you catch my drift, you know, oh, it's just, a work, got, oh, it's just a work of fiction, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, now I'm, I'm not saying that's what's at play yeah. here. I'm just saying yeah, that, yeah. that there are motivations that occur when people write works of fiction, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you, you, you find an avenue to be able to put information out there that could not be put out via other mechanisms. Again, I'm not saying that's what happened here. I haven't read the book. I haven't seen the show. I'm just throwing that out there for consideration. Uh, in a, in a general sense, the, the other thing is, um, we're, we are, and I'm going to choose my words carefully here. So we are in a war and it is always most dangerous to be in a war and not know that you're in a war. Right. And to have weapons being used against you that you don't recognize our weapons. Now that could be, that could be a needle, you know, it could be an injection, but it can also be a corrupted education system. It can also be, you know, other institutions that are eroded, like, our, you know, our university system or our, our banking system, or, I mean, our food, right? I mean, come on, you know? So there are, there are many, so we live in a world right now where tyrannical regimes do not have to lock you up in a gulag. Now, some still do. I mean, obviously gulags exist in, you know, China, North Korea. I mean, of course, Um, But there are other systems that are still very tyrannical and that tyranny can manifest itself in very sophisticated ways in which it's harder to discern exactly what is happening. And you have to equip yourself to be prepared to fight. And at one end, completely legitimate, I'm not advocating for this, but the use of force is always a legitimate recourse if other systems of recourse fail. And I hope I'm making myself clear. Um, I mean, we believe that as Americans. We, we believe as Americans, I'm not openly advocating for this. No, but I'm saying in the abstract, we believe that 
you can defend yourself against force with force. I mean, I got, yeah, I mean, I got guns in my house, you know, um, if somebody were to come in my house in the middle of the night, I mean, they would, they would learn that very quickly. And so it's the <laughs> same thing just with society at large, you know? Right. Um, right. and so again, I'm not advocating that, but what I'm saying is, is that they are going to use all manner of, of weapons and tactics against us. And we got to be prepared for it. And we also have to be prepared to, um, defend ourselves. And, and, uh, and again, I just, again, I'm not, I'm not calling for violence. I'm not calling for a coup here. What I'm saying is you got to be prepared in every way. You got to be prepared to defend yourself physically, but you also got to be prepared to defend yourself intellectually. And it goes back to the, to, uh, developing that sense of discernment and understanding how and when to use it. But the other thing is, is that you got to, you got to prepare yourself. You got to educate yourself. You have to learn true history, not the narrative that is given to you. You have to understand the way in which the world really works. You probably got to have storable food right now. You probably got to understand where your water's coming from. You got to understand how, if you need medical attention, how do you go to a doctor that's actually not going to help you? And, and, and instead of either giving you medications you don't need or trying to advocate some surgery you don't need or, you know, try to get you to take some shots you don't need, you right, know? Right. Um, right. These are all ways in which I think people have got to start um, reassessing the world in which they live, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I would just say this, I have guns too. I can't use them as well as you do. Uh, but, and, and I have storage and I told you when we started, you know, I'm talking to you, one of the reasons the connection's bad. I'm at a town with 600 people on the top of a mountain, single choke point approach. And I've got about a 270 degree view and command a pretty good sight line yeah. across the street and up the street are retired Marines and cops. And, and there's one way up. So, Hey, when Antifa came to town, the Coeur d'Alene, sure. and they decided to go try to take down Coeur d'Alene. They met about 300 armed people. And I'm talking about long gums and comm squads and shot collars and rooftops. And when they right. decided to come up under the little right. towns, funny thing, the bands got blocked in the way out and they had a talking to. Um, but at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. I, we can't put our trust in, in chariots and horses. Uh, we try, we, we have to put our trust in God. Cause I think there's a great big test here, brother. Yeah. And I think being prepared, but also being prepared to care for the least of these and giving it to the father. That's the thing that I love about this is the people that are, that are so corrupt, they've got, Oh, everyone fooled like Fauci and his lies. And well, uh, you know, we need yeah. to assess the viral load if we're going to shut down a school. So funny thing, you don't assess viral load because the PCR test doesn't do that. They think they've got everyone fooled. They don't have you fooled. They don't have me fooled, but overall, God sees it all coming and he's sitting up there. Not one time has God said, wow, didn't see that coming. So we need to keep that in mind too, uh, as we go through all of this. And um, the book, I mentioned Jeff Wilson. That was actually a pretty impressive uh, impression. You like that? (laughs) I I thought that was pretty good. I actually have Nancy. Uh, One thing I was going to say is. I I was just going to say, I have Nancy Pelosi's One thing I was going to say is. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, just going back to the whole Fauci thing and just doctors in general, if you if if you go to a doctor, especially if you have children, I don't have children, but I'm just saying if I had a young child and I'm at a pediatrician and they start talking to me about COVID injections for like a young child, that would literally be the last time I ever went to go see that pediatrician with my child. I mean, I would walk out that door. I would have some extremely choice words for that doctor. And then I'd walk out that door and I I would never go back. I mean, fire your doctor. If your doctor has proven that they don't actually understand science and all they do is, is parrot 
what they've been told by people who want you dead, sick or enslaved, fire your doctor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it goes to this as well. Like um, fire a doctor and then test them, test them. Uh, I have, this is my audience knows this one too well, but you haven't heard it. I had a doctor try to shame me into the shots and he said, have you been in, have you been vaccinated? I said, against what? And he said, well, against COVID. <laughs> I said, no. Yeah. And I said, I've one, he goes, well, you should be. I said, well, I have one question for you. How do they work? And he goes, the vaccines? I said, yeah. He goes, it contains an inert part of the virus, which means it's dead. I go, yeah, I got that part when you said inert. Um, and it uh, helps your body develop uh, antibodies to it. I said, oh, wait a minute. So this is not a, um, a, a gene sequencing device that causes your body to produce 46 trillion uh, pseudo spike proteins that land in the fatty areas of our tissues and um, particularly important areas like our testes and our hearts and our pericarditic sac. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, and goes, if you knew that, why'd you ask? And I said, better question, since you knew that, why'd you lie? And he was not happy sure. with that. For sure. We got to take this knowledge and ask the people around us um, and particularly people who have authority around us, uh, you know, to, to assess their knowledge. You, you said at the beginning of this that you I don't hear you as a man of regret. Like, I don't hear you. I haven't heard you one time say, poor Brad Miller. The uh, the the retirement's gone. So what's God calling you to do, man? Uh, is it this? Because I think God's calling you. Like, yeah. to, is this it? What He's calling you to do? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, what's I think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I said so. So that's a great question, and and you're you're exactly right. So no, I don't regret anything. If I yeah. if I had it to do all over again, I would make the exact same decision. I because here's the thing, I still got to look myself in the mirror every day. You know. Yep. Um. I got to be able to sleep at night and I'm going to tell you, I would have a really hard time if I had just kind of gone along. Oh, I know it's not right, but you know, I still got to put food on the table and you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd have a really hard time just as a man and as a Christian and even as a patriotic American. Right. I mean, I'd have a really hard time kind of living with myself. I would just feel like I really let myself down. And then if I had done that, I, so let's assume that I had done that. I'd made the wrong decision a year ago. I would yeah. assume that realizing that I had gone along with this, that I would come out now, like again, better late than never and say, Hey, I, you know, I should not have done this. I went against my own principles. The best I can do is at least, you know, come out now, but you know, doing what I did when I did, no, I don't regret it at all. I don't, I don't regret it at all. We'll figure out what comes next. I have enjoyed speaking out. Uh, I can use a lot stronger language than I could if I were still in uniform, just because I have more freedom to speak out out of uniform yeah. than in uniform. The government doesn't pay me a retirement pension, so it's not like they can, you know, threaten to take that away. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm happily resigned, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you that. another thing. So. 100 percent, there's a lot of power in that. So it, the other thing is, is that I don't. um I don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not jumping up and down about what happened, but I am in a sense relieved because I feel like, Hey, 19 years in the military, all the things that I did in the military, but the real test that I am the proudest of is this test and and that I passed this one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All the other accolades are great. You know, great. I think this is a warm up test, brother. Um, look, uh, people have asked me if the injection is the mark of the beast. And I've said, no, because we're going to know when it's the mark of the beast, we're all going to know there's a beast and it's going to be clear. You can't transact business without it. There's a lot to come, but there's a warm up act 
right? And it's also a warm-up act for tyranny. And you know this because being you know, a battalion commander, you know about prepping environments and prepping mental environments. And you're talking about the tools of breaking brains, critical race theory, gender identity. Um, there's 77 million Americans on mind-altering um, uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety. Anti- I get it. Some people benefit from that. I, I get that. I'm not, I'm not saying that some people don't benefit from it. But 77 million? And China makes all that stuff? And one day China says, we're not going to make that stuff anymore. That seems like a pretty good strat- a tactical or strategic position for them to have to say, we're going to let your co- you collapse, right? And let your, your, your structure collapse. So you've passed, I think, a bunch of tests. The spiritual test being most important to me. Um, and then the test on, are you going to give in to tyranny? Are they going to break your brains? So let me close and ask you this question. Brad, how do people who've never been through what you've been through and never had the training, never led men and women the way you have, what what advice do you give people uh, for having a strong mind? Because to me, it goes to the base. It goes to the, you know, build your foundation on the word of God. How do you, uh, how do you help people develop the strong mind you have? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so first of all, thanks for uh, you know assuming I have a strong mind. Um, what not I would a, say is not assumption, um, brother. I've okay, been so first to you for and foremost, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So first and foremost, it's a it's a spiritual war. So you know, are you are you reading the scriptures and are you praying? And a lot of people are already doing those, and I think that's great. Yeah. First and foremost, uh, but don't stop there. Even if you're a good Christian, even if you start there, and that's number one and most important. I think a lot of people, they kind of stop there and it's like, hey, I still think God expects you to to do some stuff to prepare yourself. So learn how to be as self-sufficient as possible. So do you have storable food? Do you know where you're getting your current? Do you know your local butcher? I mean, that's something that's you know becoming more and more important. Also, are you educating yourself on the way the world really works and disabusing yourself of the narrative of history that you've been told for a really long time? Yeah. Because you probably, because we all do, we all were probably given a, a worldview that I talked about earlier that is uh, insufficient to really explain reality. And you got to kind of break out of that. You, you have to start reading the books. You got to do some study and engaging with really intellectual people who are aware of what's going on and having discussions with them to try and just amplify your, your, uh, your view of what's going on. And I think, you know, if you pray, if you're reading the scriptures, you're reading other books, you know, doing your mental homework, you're getting prepared. And the other thing is, uh, Maybe a lot of people won't agree with this, but I certainly will. You got to work out. So work out physically. You know, there are a lot of problems that will solve themselves if you, you know, if, you if you work out physically, you know? Right, right. Hey, yeah. being, uh, you and know, that, you know for, so putting 400 pounds on your back, you're going to squat it or it's going to crush you. Right. And I'm looking at your shoulders. Don't tell me you don't squat 400. I'm not going to buy it. But no, there's a magic to you make it to the top of the mountain or people laugh at you. Uh, you complete the workout or, or they don't. I'm not saying everybody needs to go be a gym rat. I'm, I'm 55 and, and I've right. just come over a sh- shoulder surgery. I love that stuff. But yes, mental preparedness. The body is the temple. The mind is our communication system with God. And yeah, you're also more efficient food wise, thinking wise, all of that stuff when the body's in shape, yep. man. And that is that is so key. I love that you add that part to it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make yeah, a prediction. That can, that can be a walk, you know. I, I know. Yeah, I, yeah I it gonna, can be for some. Yeah, yeah, that can be a walk in the evening. You know. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. I'm make a prediction. Um, I'm going to see you on, you might do Fox News, although they're not that great on the injections. But man, I think, I think I could see you on Tucker. Um, no, I just feel like God, you have a, God has given you a force. Not everybody has it. Um, and God is, God has given you a force to steward, um, charisma and confidence and obviously ability to lead. Um, I think, you know, the thing that I, w- I want to wrap this up with is I do have, a, I have one bit of sadness and that is that your men don't get to report to you. Um, and I know that they can still be in contact with you. I know, I bet you a bunch of them mm-hmm. still look up to you. You'll probably hear from ones and they can't go out publicly, but I bet there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, LT, uh, I love what you did. And, and I'm trying to figure out my thing. Uh, I, I am just, I, I, I'm touched by that one bit of sadness that your, uh, that the battalion that reported up to you doesn't have you anymore as a leader. That makes me feel sad. That's the only bit of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I make a quick comment on that real quick? Yep. So again, I think this goes back to a, uh, to a paradox, like I mentioned before, and this is what I call the command paradox. And eventually, so I had to get to the point where if you truly understand the mantle of command, in my mind, this is the kind of the debate that I was going through internally. I had to get to the point where I said, Hey, if I truly understand to me to, to, I understand what it means to be a commander. I actually have to be willing to give up command. You know, if I were too in love with my job just because I wanted to remain in command, it would actually mean paradoxically, perhaps, that I actually don't understand what it means to be a commander. And in the military, in the U.S. military, we are very commander driven. I mean, you know, when you're a commander, um, what you say goes, I mean, you 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 own that unit in a way, in a way. Right. Um, You have some legal authorities over that unit. It's a big deal. But again, it's one of those things, another paradox. Hey, if I truly understand what it means to be a commander, I actually got to be willing to give it up, you know, and that, well, that's the situation so, I was in. You know, uh, there's a there's a, a, a really cool paraphrasing of what you said. The son of even the son of man came to serve and not be served. Right. And the Lord Jesus gave up his life. Um, and so that others can be saved. Now, he knew he'd rise again. He knew that at that moment he said, you tear this body down and or tear it down this temple and in three days it will rise again. Um, I'm so glad that you know the Lord and I'm, I, I just feel blessed. So I'm going to thank you for coming on. Um, you are welcome here anytime. Come out to the, the free mountains or, of high, or high mountains of free America. You and I will go. You shoot. I'll watch. I never shoot with guys like you. Um, <laughs> people try to get me. I'm kidding. I do it all the time. Uh, I just not as good at it. But um, and I always ask my, my guests to go with God's good grace. And I wrap the show by saying uh, this is the Todd Herman show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember that fear is not an emotion given us by God. It's of the enemy.